what we're going to do today is talk a little bit about our discipleship pathway, about growing your gifts. Uh, in the mid-1800s, there was an auction. And the auctioneer held out an old violin. It was a bit dusty. It was a bit beaten up. But the auctioneer explained, hey, this doesn't look so great, but this violin is a Stradivarius violin. It's really valuable. And people were kind of like, mm, not sure I want to bid on that. You know, there are some people in the house today where because you've been beaten up a little bit and because some people have kind of said what they've said and kind of put you in the corner, you're questioning your value. You're questioning whether God can use you again. The knocks of life, the journey that you've been on, the enthusiasm might have waned because of bitter experience. And so anyway, the auctioneer tried to explain. And then a, a thin man walked, tall and thin man walked to the front of the auction house. And a murmur went round the crowd that it was the famous virtuoso violinist called Paganini. Paganini wrote many violin pieces, a great composer, and he took the violin in his hand and got his bow and tuned a little bit and then spellbound the congregation, the, the auction audience, with an amazing tune from the violin. And the auctioneer then said, how many of you want to buy this violin now? And several hands shot up and the price went up. But actually what happened is, is Paganini bought the violin for, for an amazing price. And that evening, he played that same violin to a great audience in the concert hall. What we have to realize today is that we need the master's touch to lift us beyond what we can do. And the heart behind this message is to say, your life already has divine investment. But you need to grow those gifts that God has given you. Some here, you may not hear what I'm saying today, but it's true. You have gifts. The book of Ephesians tells us that each one of us, grace has been given as Christ's apportioned it. That's why when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to everyone. Those gifts can be people. Those gifts also are things that he invests in your life. Look, the work of God takes supernatural resources. It's not achieved just by our human effort. How many of you would say amen with the prophet Zechariah that says it's not by might, it's not by spirit. Come on, say it with me. But by my power, says the Lord. Now, excuse me, it's not by power. It's not by might, it's not my power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. How many of you would agree with that? That it's, there is God's work of supernatural resources that he's poured into your life, and that's how the work of God is done. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. How many of you know that? But it's against 
principalities of power. It takes supernatural gifts to outmaneuver the opposition. It will take something more than we've got to outmaneuver any opposition. Seeing that this giftedness is so needed, we must grow our gifts and not take them for granted or leave them dormant in our lives. Gifts are like a sharp blade. We need to sharpen them and keep them sharp. And we also need to keep using them. You have to grow your gifts. Not just say, well, I've got these gifts and, and it's kind of done at your convenience, but actually we're deepening and growing the things that God has given us. You know, there's an overlap between your natural talents and your gifts in God. But even some of your natural talents would not be as good if you were not in the faith. Some of the great talent we see uh, with our worship team, because they have given that over to God, it makes them better singers. It makes them better players. It's, your talent almost needs to be placed on the, on the altar of God. Maybe if you've got a, a Bible, perhaps you could turn with me to 1 Corinthians. And these gifts are very specific spiritual gifts. But I want you to hear that there are same principles where you can grow your spiritual gifts. You can also grow some of your natural talents as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read the first seven verses actually. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I'm going to teach into that so you will be informed today. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them is, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Spiritual gifts have to do with God, not you. The Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service from the Lord. There is working from God. I'll describe what those three words mean in a moment. But here we see that it's God who shares gifts. Now, you might have some natural talent that God wants to put his grace on to en enhance your life, and that's appropriate. But actually, he wants to give you gifts that you don't have naturally. He wants to give you some gifts, spiritual gifts, that are just from his grace. That are only because he says, you didn't have this before you were a Christian, but now you are a Christian, I'm going to give you this gift. That's not naturally you, but I am showing my glory through you. That's why they're called charismata. Charis being grace. Grace gifts. The gifts come out of God's grace into your life. 
So some of you might be thinking today, you know, I don't know that God doesn't really want to give me any gifts. Does he got grace? Of course he wants to gift you. He wants to grace you. He wants to fill you. His gifts are there, and it says the gifts are there, are different kinds of service from the Lord. The gifts are there, and the word there is diakomai, which means uh, where we get the word deacon from. In the world, talent platforms people. In the church, gifts serve others. There's a big difference. The gifts are there to serve others, and it's where we actually get this idea of what we've seen today with Charles, a deacon from. And to serve others is the foundation of our gifts. So whatever gift you've got, if you're using it to platform yourself, you're using it wrong because gifts are there to serve people. Gifts are only there to serve others. In fact, verse 7 says, Now the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Do you ever remember or do you ever notice how the Corinthians is laid out? In chapter 12, you see gifts. It teaches about gifts. And then in chapter 13, we often read it at weddings, but it's all about love and how you serve people. And then in chapter 14, it goes on to talk about gifts again. It's like gifts, love, gifts, sandwich. There's a big message there for all of us that as we use our gifts, that that we're there to serve others with them. And then Paul goes on and he says, gifts are, are charismata, they come out of grace. And then he says, gifts are diakomai, they're there to serve others. And then he says, gifts are ergamata, which means the energy of God, or they involve supernatural power. There's an unction from the Holy Spirit that isn't about you, that when God places gifts in you, that actually there's something that he anoints, that he gives power to you. And because the source of gifts is from grace and the function of gifts is to serve others in the body and serve others out there in the world, and because the the gifts involve supernatural power, the gateway to receiving gifts is for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit or be refilled with the Holy Spirit. While I'm speaking, I wonder if you just raise your hand and say, fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord Jesus. You see, that's the gateway to having your gifts grown and filled. Doesn't the Bible say that after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power and be my witnesses? We need to seek a fresh Phil, that's really important if we're going to grow our gifts. This is the basic understanding of gifts, that they are from grace, not from you. That they're there to serve others. That they, that they involve supernatural power. And if you have that understanding, then there are four moves that you can make to grow your gifts. I just want to briefly share this with you today. First of all, if you're going to grow your gifts, it will take consecration. They are God's gifts, and therefore, you have to continually offer them back to God. 
and consecrate them to God. Remember in Romans 12 where the, Paul said, present your body as a living sacrifice. And he goes on in verse 6 and says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. Now, this is not to say you're supposed to feel guilty or small uh, if you uh, have been given a gift. You know, you've got to always be kind of so, oh God, I'm not worthy of this. That's not what I'm saying. But you just have to keep it in the right place. Some of us are hugely talented, and that's because God's graced us and wired us in a certain way. But he's also given us some gifts that we need to just lay at the feet of Jesus. Doesn't the Bible say in Colossians, whatever you do, whether it's word and deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. Why don't we just give over our gifts back to him? Paul said, I always thank my God for you because of the grace given to you in Jesus. For in him you've been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and knowledge. You see, you've got to keep your gifts in a thankful, consecrated place. If you want to grow your gifts, number one, consecration. Secondly, if you're going to grow your gifts, it's going to take some inspiration. All of our gifts and, and our talents actually need a fresh supply and touch of the Holy Spirit. Anything we do regularly can fall into a habit, even speaking in tongues. Oh, it's gone ever so quiet in this Pentecostal church. But some people even speak in tongues because it's a perfunctory habit. It's something that they've learned over time. But actually, with all of our gifts, we need fresh inspiration, fresh touch, fresh revelation, fresh insight. Here's the word of the Lord to KT. In Isaiah 49, verse 19, it says this. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. KT, do you receive it? God wants to do a new thing amongst us. He wants to bring us fresh revelation, new insight, deeper use of our already incredible gifts. Isaiah 48 verse 6 says this. I believe if you close your eyes, this could be a word of the Lord to you personally. You have heard these things. Look at them all. Will you not admit them? From now on, I will tell you of new things, of hidden things unknown to you. I wonder if, We've fallen into that sense sometimes of being a professional Christian whereby we, we know everything. But God wants to give you deeper insight, new revelation, fresh, fresh inspiration. You see, you've got to keep your gifts at the right place through consecration. And yet, our challenge is that we've got to keep a new flow and a new input. What is your continual input? If your continual input is of a certain way or it's kind of on the negative side, that God's going to struggle to give you fresh inspiration, consecration, fresh inspiration. That's how you grow your gifts. But thirdly, it's going to take some perspiration. Now, let me explain to you, ladies. I know you don't sweat. I know you only glow. 
But it's going to take some perspiration from all of us to grow our gifts. We have to couple our gifts with faithfulness and diligence. This is the whole argument in Matthew chapter 25. Where it talks about, you know, remember the bags of gold or you might have it as the talents. That somebody gets the, these talents and the master wants to come along and say, uh, can you grow that? It takes effort and diligence required. Can I take you back to the 1970s with me? Some of you are going, what's the 1970s? There's a great footballer called George Best. He played for Northern Ireland. He, he, he was a tremendous footballer. In fact, I went to a talk by another footballer from the 1970s called Bobby Charlton, the most famous comb-over in, in the history of English football. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about right now, do you? Bobby Charlton used to play with George Best, and, he, and I was sitting like two rows back, and Bobby Charlton said this. He said, pass the ball, George, pass the ball, George, pass the ball. Oh, he scored. He was an amazing footballer. But those of you who know his story, that he kind of blew all his talent, that his talent never realized all that it could have been because of his own personal habits. Wouldn't it be really sad that on our epitaph, on our graves, would be he or she had potential? You see, you've got to put some perspiration in. You've got to put some diligence and, and effort in to say, God, I am partnering with you. That's why Kathy and I are saying, come dig a well with us. Come and, come and enjoy Sundays, but come and dig something with us. Let's see if some things can break open through our faithfulness, through our diligence. In the book of Hebrews, it says this. In verse 6, verse 9, it says, Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case. The things that have to do with salvation, God is not unjust he will not forget your work and your love and how you have shown him as you have helped people and continue to help them. This is a description of KT. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience Inherit what God has promised. Everybody just say it with me. Faith, Faith. And, patience. and patience. That's what it takes. It, no, you don't have to say that bit. <laughs> it's just really important that we have this idea of consecration that God, these gifts are from your grace. Thank you for them. I'm keeping them on your altar. I'm keeping them in a good place. God, I'm not just a habit Christian in one sense. I, I want fresh inspiration. But Lord, I am not afraid to bring some perspiration, some diligence and faithfulness to my Christian life so that my gifts can go stronger and my gifts can go harder for you. Some of you started out 
with your gifts. They're so raw and you, you just moved on that. But they haven't grown since that time. We need to grow our gifts. Finally, if we're going to grow our gifts, we're going to need some aspiration to see what could be done that is not yet. Part of our regular prayers from the Lord that the Lord taught us are, thy kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, there's yet something more of your kingdom to come. Now, we're not to have selfish ambition. You know, Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 tells us that. Do not have selfish ambition. But the Bible does say, come on, stretch for some things. Paul actually said this in Romans chapter 15. He says, it's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on somebody else's foundation. You've got to have some godly kingdom aspiration where you say, God, can I begin to see what is not yet? That I can stretch for something that you are yet to place in my life and in the church. Our gifts grow when we orientate our lives towards how he has gifted us and how he wants to grace us in the future. What's your life orientation? Is it all taken up with surviving? But how is your life orientated? How can you use your available time to move more into your gifts? The bottom line of my message today, and this is what one thing I'd like you to remember, or maybe you can tweet it or write it down, is that, listen, you have been wired and graced. You need to grow both. You've been wired with some talents. And he's put his grace on some of your talents and they are much better than what they would be had you not come into his grace. But he has graced you with some gifts. And those gifts you have to grow. Your wired talents, the things that God has given you, you need to place them on the altar to be sanctified. Your gifts need to be sharpened and deepened. Our gifts can remain in this raw state. And God wants to mature them. He wants to grow them in your life. I wonder if you could ask yourself, why, why has God given me that gift? Why has God given me that talent? Some of you are brilliant at making money. And I wonder if God could move it towards generosity. Some of you have a deep heart of compassion. I wonder if God can move it to action and care. You see, we need to sharpen our gifts. We need to use them. We need to reflect on them and then use them. We need to teach ourselves about them. Remember, Paul said, do not be uninformed about spiritual gifts. You need to get into, well, if this is my gift, how can I learn more about it? But listen, will you stand with me? Because I want you to prophesy something over your life. Thank you for listening today. And sometimes when we talk about discipleship, we're always talking about what we've got to lose, what we've got to make effort into. But listen, just understand something. God has given you some gifts. 
Now, I've only heard one amen. God has given you some gifts. And I just want to prophesy against the, the voice in your head that says, well, that's true of everybody else, but I don't know, it's not me. You see, Paul said to Timothy, fan into flame or stir up the gift that's within you. Stir it up. Come on, stir it up. Stir it up, church. Come on, you've got gifts. Stir them up. Stir them up. 